You are listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Lance Samantha Chang. To listen to the full interview or hear more about the Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. I think I became a writer because there was so much silence in the house on such basic issues that I was required not only to investigate, Mm -hmm. to find out what happened, but then to repeat it to myself in order to, and to myself and others in order to understand the story. And I think in inheritance in some ways, that was my most powerful effort. I made the most powerful effort to understand the China that my parents had come from, what had happened to that China, and how it had changed and was changing. That, I think, is the most... I mean, it, it's, it's contained in the novel Inheritance. Mm-hmm. And after I wrote Inheritance, I felt you know, pretty um, uninterested in pursuing writing about Asians or Asian Americans for a long time because I had basically written about it. And then my following novel um, was Departure. Uh, It's actually my favorite novel because it was just a huge pleasure to write. So much fun to write. Yeah. I had nothing to, do, nothing to do with my background, my family. It was all about lived experience and observations that I'd made coming up as a writer. Because, you know, for me, becoming a writer was went hand in hand with becoming a person. I went to the Iowa Writers Workshop where I'm now director of the program and I had teachers who were you know, generous and powerful and fascinating, uh, and I watched them for years, and then I, I went to Stanford and had a Stegner Fellowship, and I taught there, and then I moved around for many years while writing Inheritance, and I felt, I felt, fa- I've always been fascinated by the, the issue of an artistic education. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like, I, I love Henry James, and one of the reasons that I I'm so interested in him is because he is also interested in the artistic education. And I love, for example, of all of Willa Cather's books, I mean, she was, she was an important author for me because she wrote about the Midwest, she wrote about immigrants, and she wrote about the West. I would say that my favorite book of hers is uh, Song of the Lark, which is a Kunstler roman about an a opera singer who's born in a Colorado mining camp. And so... I've always been fascinated by those books because in my heart, I always dreamed of being some kind of, not an artist, in ter- you know, not a visual artist, but some kind of artist, somebody who made things, always fascinated. And Yeah, I, I'm just fascinated. And so when I, I wrote a book, I wanted, to, I wanted to write a book about poetry, I mean about poem, poets. And it took me years to figure out exactly what the story would be, but then once I started it, it was a huge pleasure. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And you, and you use it to, so you have the dichotomy of the more ambitious or the more focused and then the more right. I'm keeping it to myself, sort of. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating, and the competition, all these things are fascinating. Well, art competitiveness among writers is this big, dirty secret. Mm-hmm. I don't think that most writers, okay... 
I think what most writers wish is that people would appreciate and understand their work. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. And what can be very frustrating is if it seems that the world is appreciating and understanding someone else's work, mm -hmm. but not one's own work. Sure. And I think I tried really hard in that book to show how that desire can change pe not only people's relationships with their colleagues and friends, but it can change the way they work. It can change mm. their own work. People need to feel that their work is appreciated and read. Mm. And I think in that way that the current market in publishing is, is very bad for writers because it wants to reward people for doing the same thing over and over again, which is, is contrary to artistic nature. Mm -hmm. And it also wants to reward people who produce works that can be read by as many people as possible. Right. So there's, that, that's also um, not necessarily conducive to artistic accomplishment. You know? Well, I think that people are interested in novels because they um, want to inhabit other worlds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly um, straightforward desire to escape the world mm -hmm. that one is in, and novels will do that for you. Mm -hmm and other forms don't physically last as long. I think that so much of reading a novel is physical. The actual amount of time it takes to absorb the story is time that you're allowed to be absent from your life. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's why people love them. Mm -hmm. I think also there's a sense when you're in the middle of a novel that you're just in the middle of a, a, of a mysterious and, and, and complex world uh, with a set of rules that you're just figuring out. It's like being in another country. A complex set of rules, something very rich, something hidden. You know, that sense of reality. And so finding the first steps is really difficult. And in, in, in addition to that, Beginnings require a, a tone, you know, decisions about, all kinds of decisions about tone, point of view, voice, you know, narration, all, all these really tricky questions that you can't really answer until you know what the whole thing is about. So I suppose that a lot of my work is backwards in that I have to figure out what it's about and even know how it's going to end before I can start it. However, I do not plan, like I can't do outlines. Mm -hmm. I just have a have a sense of where it's going mm -hmm. in order for me to know what it is. I after I finish a project, I usually feel quite empty and down. Yeah. This is yeah. I remember one night after I wrote after Inheritance was published, <laughs> um, I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, and my husband said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "My book is dead." You know, instead, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't work on it anymore. Okay. All those characters that I'd gotten to know so well and the conversations they'd had that I thought about so much were essentially drained of meaning now that I knew that I wouldn't be working on them anymore. Sure. And that was, that was a hard time. I think it was at that point that I decided to take my job at Iowa just because I thought, well, I need something to do. And then after I got to Iowa, I, I started wanting to write again um, very much and... and luckily had the Guggenheim and was able to work on my next novel.
what it's like for Toby, but for me, mm -hmm. teaching is not a challenge to my writing. The thing that interrupts my writing is running the program, because oh, okay. I'm the director of our program. And that has been the biggest challenge to my time. As the American educational system changes, a lot of what's happening goes against the creation of a good environment for artistic development. And so I spent huge amounts of my time trying to make sure that the students in our program have time and space to work mm -hmm. and support. And I find that very frustrating at times. In college in the U.S., in the last, say, 15 years, there has been an explosion of creative writing programs, majors, minors, tracks in English departments. There has been a great interest in creative writing in the United States, mm -hmm. and there have been a huge number, there, a huge number of master's programs have been created just mm -hmm. in the last 20 years in the United States. Thousands of people are receiving MFA degrees every year in the U.S. And I just love the beauty of that book. I love how carefully shaped it is. I love the language. I find it sort of a fascinating piece of work. Yeah. And I could really talk about it for a long time on a number of, sub, on a number of issues, but in this particular um, talk, I was just sort of describing on a really basic level what the correspondence between F. Scott Fitzgerald and his editor, Maxwell Perkins at Scribner's, was like. Oh. You know, what were the parameters of the conversation? Um, the thing that sort of struck me and everyone in the audience as I was talking was the recognition that actually Perkins's advice to Fitzgerald was fairly brief. Mm -hmm. He made two major points, aside from the fact that he wanted Fitzgerald to change the title, which was indeed awful. <laughs> yeah. He only gave him two pieces of yeah. advice, and the thousands of changes that Fitzgerald made in galleys were the result of his having really understood and internalized what Perkins was trying to say and figured out the way that he could recreate the novel with those shaping suggestions in mind. So right. thousands of little changes along the way, creating a streamlined book, like mm -hmm. a book with a clearer shape and mm -hmm. a clearer idea of who Gatsby was at the center of it. You know, a clearer formation of the question, who is, who is Jay Gatsby at the center of it? So. It was fascinating to notice that only a couple of suggestions were made, but they resulted in such a vastly different and more perfect book. Want to get involved with exhibitions or interviews? Email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.